This episode of the Fabulous Learning Nerds is sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTIs, counselor, and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E. They are the fabulous learning nerds. Because if you're tired of the old ways of getting it done, you've got the fabulous learning nerds. Scott, Dan, and Abby are making it fun. The best ideas that you've ever heard. So everybody spread the word. They're gonna keep you with turning the fabulous learning nerds. Fabulous learning nerds. Oh yeah! Hey everybody, welcome back to another fantastic episode of your fabulous learning nerds. I'm Scott, your host, and with me, my colleague, my bestest buddy, you love him, Dan Coonrod. Dan the man. Oh yeah. Danielson. Hey, Scott. Ooh, you're sounding good. How you doing today, sir? I'm fair to Midland. Fair to Midland. You know, it's been a couple of weeks. I actually missed that. I missed uh, missed all of that. You didn't uh, happen to make any trips to the bubble house, did you? To the bubble house? To the bubble room. <laughs> we had a vacation, so we took a little break. So what you been doing, sir? Well, uh, for my vacation, I thought I would go ahead and get COVID. Uh, zero out of five, would not recommend. Uh, definitely not, uh, not my favorite thing. So that was, uh, that was definitely not a fun vacation. How about yours? How was yours? Um, I did not get COVID. Um, Good so call. it was much more fun. Yeah, I did relax. That's great. So the question about COVID, what superpower did you gain? After you got after you get COVID, uh, the superpower I gained is a difficulty paying attention. Brain fog is real, and oh uh, yeah, man, I don't know if that's a superpower, um, but you know, I, <laughs> I think whoever is in the room might help us uh, dictate whether or not that's a superpower. Speaking of superpowers, um, here's someone that uh, brings just a suitcase full of them with her. You love her, Abby Long, everybody. Hey there, Abby. Hey, Scott. Uh, Did you rename me? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right, I'll do that. You know, the the drop is Abby Long. Oh no, no, no. The, you don't get the, to take the, that out. The post. drop says no, Abby no, no. Long, everybody. <laughs> it says Abby Long. Abby Dawson, everyone. Abby <laughs> Dawson. You know, I'll leave that in because I'm um I'm just not on top of it. I'm a little rusty today, so that's great. Ha do you have brain fog? Um <laughs> always. I always have brain fog, whether I have COVID or not, which is cool. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, you're getting ready to fly out to uh, Detroit today. That's right. Yep. Going to do the work Going thing. Going to do the work thing in a beautiful city, Detroit. 
So that'll be a ton of fun. I, I said, because it's a Sunday, we record on Sunday, everybody, that you could probably get tickets to the Lions game pretty easily. That would be my guess. <laughs> <laughs> he said it, not me, guys. Yeah. <laughs> for the... For the two, maybe three Lions fans out there. All who Lions fans own it. To they totally own it. Like, I know a lot of Lions fans. They totally own it. Like, this is the year that's their year. And, uh, but they also own it, which is awesome. Um, speaking of owning it, folks, we have a very, very special guest with us today. And, um, you know, it, it, it's rare that we find someone who's actually created something amazing in our industry, like, a, you know, an e learning agency that's won awards. And we're going to get to know all about her in uh, a little segment that we call What's Your Deal? Hey, man. What's your deal? Garima. Hello. Hi, Scott. What's your deal, my friend? Oh, my God. I'm already enjoying this so much. What's my deal? So um, I am the founder and CEO of a fast-growing, award-winning custom e-learning firm based in Toronto, Canada. So hello, everybody. Um, what else is my deal? Well, I came to L&D via meandry route, like many of us, went through various different things, tried software engineering, teaching, writing, presenting, oh my God. Um, but the beautiful thing I find now is all of that sort of, you know, came together to bring me where I am today, sort of 2020 vision, you look back, hindsight, and like, yeah, all the dots sort of connected. And so we, I am in a very happy place today and happy to share that with everybody. That's my deal. Yeah. That's fantastic, Karima. And we're super excited to chat with you about um, your experience, your journey, and hopefully gain some nuggets uh, around some awesome things um, as far as how you feel about the industry and, and what our our core audience brings to the table. And so, folks, let's go ahead and transition into our topic of the week. This week, Grima's bringing care, the core of our work in uh, learning and development. So... Yeah, let's let's start there. What, how do how do you frame that up? This this idea of care, the core of our work in learning and development. So the way I look at it really is training, learning and development, OD, talent management, all of the various um, aspects of our work, different things, different people work in, really are a work of care. Much like teaching is, you know, much like K-12 teaching is, it is a work of care where science meets art meets heart. And that's something that we sometimes sort of, you know, put it in, you know, put it at the back burner. We don't really think about it, but that we need to bring that up front. We need to see it as, as it is, which is that if you would not have be passionate about it, if you don't care about your clients, about your staff, about your learners, then you wouldn't be in this business. And what, what does that care mean? How does that translate? It's not really just learning science. It's not learning technology. It's not this process versus that process. All of these are bits and pieces in a big backdrop. And that backdrop is care. And that's how I look at our work. And that's how it has really worked for us, right? I mean, the reason I jumped from one thing to another thing to another thing to finally find my happy place in L&D and running an e-learning firm. 
is because I found that this is a place where I could manifest all those caring things in different ways. And which is why today, for example, 95% of our clients come back for business. And the 5% who don't, they don't have any more business to give us. It's probably like, you know, one-time course or something. The learners um, enjoy what we do because at the back of all this, we were, we were thinking about them, right? There is that aspect of care. And I think once you have that and once you own it, once you start sort of, you know, you stop running away from it, in a sense, uh, hiding behind tech and tools and uh, techniques, then things really come together and it, it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I love that. I'm In the business world, all we, uh, I hear so often like, where is the value? Are we adding value? And it's easy to think, oh, that must be like a numbers or we have to show it in reporting. But I think to your point, it really shows through in the quality of your work in, in identifying and really meeting the human need, not just, you know, were they good at pushing that button at the right time in the right way? <laughs> yeah. And Abby, you're just right. And uh, ultimately, for for measurement purposes, for, for making this work, yes, there has to be, you know, uh, quantifiable items there. But behind, sometimes what happens is we get too much caught up into those quantifiable items. We get we get too much into, oh, this is what my software can do. This is what it cannot do. Or this is the uh, learning objectives. And these are the enabling learning objectives. And therefore, I have these many sections, which is all good and fair and required. But um, if you're doing this mechanically, then the course shows it. Then your work shows it. So... I, I try very hard, you know, me and my staff and our team, we we keep pulling ourselves back from that mechanical action and remembering who you are building this for, who are you working for, which are both your clients and your learners. And in my case, it is also my team, right? So for me, that care takes three sort of avatars, right? It's, Am I caring for people who have, who are walking with me in my caravan, right? And what does that look like? Are we caring for people who've trusted us enough to give us their project? And how does that look like? And does that look like, oh, we do only these many revision rounds or whatever? And then finally, ultimately, you know, the the end user of our product and what is happening in their life and when are they consuming our product and what does it mean for them? When you take on a new project, Karima, how do you, from uh, the very beginning where, where you're doing the initial consultations and deciding, is this, are we a good fit for this customer? Is this something we can help them with to where you're working with your team and building it out and, and then finally launching it? How do you ensure that that important thread of, always making sure you're caring about your customer is cared for. How does that actually happen, manifest in day-to-day work? In so many ways, Abby, it's, um, I would find it difficult to pinpoint one thing or another. I think it is, it's like that, the backdrop against which everything happens. So you start with a discovery meeting, let's say, right? Now, are you coming in with a questionnaire 
prepared for the client, not just your generic questionnaire, right? Are you have you done your homework? Are you really interested in knowing what's going on in their lives? Where does this project sit in the rest of their job profile and job portfolio? And why is this important to them? Why now? So those might those questions may not immediately be relevant to your work. But they are relevant to your client. They are relevant to why this project has come in their lives right now. And so all of that helps you sort of connect with your with your client. It helps you understand how can you best serve them. It can be manifested in something like, you know, um, in your review cycles where you're looking at a comment. And it's not just, well, can we make, I'm going to take a, just a very random example. Can we make this? button red or bigger. It's like, no, that's going to spoil the design. But the question is not that they asked for the button to be red or bigger. The question is, why did they ask the button to be red or the bigger, right? What was the purpose? What was the driving need? And then how can we meet that need? And that, I think, is the magic sauce. That That is what makes a difference. <clears throat> I, I absolutely love that. I, I can't tell you how many times talking to a stakeholder are like looking at review notes, they've they've thrown a question our way that on the surface is you're just like, what? What? But <laughs> yeah. to your point, exactly right. Like there there is a need driving that question. And oftentimes getting to the real reason behind it like can can change how you go about solving their original request. That's totally. super insightful. Totally. And sometimes it is a need for educating them too, right? Sometimes it might not be some uh, just, you know, what action have you take for this particular comment? But it's like, well, let's explain why this and why not this and how does this align with best practices in our field? And they might not know. And that's just, you know, instead of saying, oh, here we go again <laughs> with some things. So it's... Um, it's natural, but it's like, oh, okay, let's let's sort of explain this. Let's uh, bring this out in the open and discuss this. I know you have a background that's way broader than just L&D. And um, I'm curious, do you think that there are parts of that background that helped you see that L&D is more than order takers and that there's a real service to, to working in this field? Yeah, I would think so. I would hope so. Uh, I think every every experience we now this is going a little I don't know uh, beyond, but every experience we go through in our life is for a purpose. Is what I really truly believe in, right? And and all of it sort of comes together into making who we are and who we are holistically. We bring to our work. We don't leave parts of us outside out the door and then come to work, right? Whether whether you choose to showcase it or not, it's all you. So I, I would think so. Um, I know that the reason I dropped from being a programmer, a coder, and went into teaching, training, L&D is because I felt like this is this was a field where we actually had almost immediate gratification compared to, you know, writing 10 lines of code that goes in a bigger program, that goes in another bigger program, and you're just a cog in the in the big picture, is here you can actually impact people's life significantly. And that is a privilege, you know? 
And that is something that we really need to be very proud of. I've sometimes met people who are apologetically in the field. It's like, well, that doesn't even make sense because this is, this is, I don't know. I, I feel super passionate about and super fortunate about being in this field. And I feel like that is something everybody should feel because the, no matter what, where in the ladder you are, no matter what exactly um, uh, your job profile says, you are making a difference in people's life. And that is amazing. You are an amazing example of something I believe. And I was talking with a colleague of mine the other day about it. And we've said this on the show a couple of times, like learning people are good people for the most part, right? And it's this undenying passion about genuinely trying to make people better, right? And that's why I do what I do. And that, and when I'm getting bummed out at work, it's not because of the work. It's because I look at the work I'm doing and I think, is this really going to make a difference? That's where I struggle. Like, you know, you've asked me to do something that's not going to have impact for me. It's all about impact. And I know we've got a lot of new listeners um, that are joining this field now for the exact reasons that we're talking about. And you have this amazingly successful company, right? And and you've won a Stevie Award for what you do, and you've met a lot of different professionals. So can you talk to our audience, especially those new people that are making that switch, on um, you know how they get into it, or how you know how should they approach their work when they're they're coming into L and D? Yeah, I I feel it is such a lovely time to enter this field. The you know the world knows our value now. Um, uh, more than it ever did. Um, I remember, and I'm sure other people will um, identify this. When you when you say, "Oh, I'm an instructional designer," say, "Oh, did you mean interior designer?" Right. Uh, <laughs> and but, however, so if you're coming to this field now, this is such a great time. My what I would say first and foremost, know your value, right? Other people, other departments, they are, especially if you're, you know, in, in a big organization where L&D is sometimes seen as a cost center, there will be sufficient people out there to diminish your value. Don't do it yourself. You are the flag bearer of L&D. So know your value, know the value you bring to the organization, to the people, to the employees, to the customers, whoever you're working for, ultimately, and then defend it, defend your territory. It is. What you do is super important, right? It changes people's behaviors. It changes their skills, their productivity. It's an important thing. Uh, I think of our job as being a catalyst or as a lever, right? We, we offer mechanical advantage. And that is, that is cool. So there is that first thing is to be proud of what we're doing. I think once... And yes, not every time. Sometimes when you are uploading Excel sheets over CSV sheets in your LMS or you're haunting people for completing their compliance courses or you're building something that you don't believe in necessarily will have impact. Sometimes it's difficult, but all these, like every job has aspects of it that are not glamorous or immediately impactful or whatever it might be. But then we are lucky that a bigger portion of our work does have impact. So there is that. And then I would say, and this is sort of a, a little bit mm, tougher to do in your first, second, third roles, 
is to own your whole self, bring your bring your everything to work, right? Being authentic just it brings on so much anxiety, so much tension that we create for ourselves. So when you are who you are in your role, so that that sort of comes across in your training, that comes across in your materials, that and that's a good thing because you are the creator. And when you create those materials, of course, within your parameters, you you don't <laughs> you don't go beyond the scope necessarily. But within that, when you're when you're when you're enjoying yourself, you do your best work is probably what I'm trying to say. One of the things that I've really been passionate about too, you know, in the field, not just the people impact, but you know, the potential for growth. And I'm a huge believer in growth. And I just feel like if you're not growing, you're not learning. And you know, if I'm gonna be a learning nerd, I, I gotta always be learning. I always gotta be looking at that. So could you talk to our audience a little bit about like, hey, how do they grow? How do they get better? How can I deliver more to the people that I serve? Oh, that is such a beautiful question, Scott. Um, if we don't learn, if we don't grow, then we're in the wrong industry, right? We got to practice what we preach. So this should be an inherent part of our work. We must have a percentage, a portion of our week, our day set aside for our own growth. Right now, what does that look like? Depending on whatever your role is, whether you are, you know, an uh, uh, an in-person trainer, whether you are a coach, whether you are an e-learning developer, whether you are an instructional designer, whether you're running a uh, L&D function and you're responsible for strategy, that might look different for different people. But you want to build new skills and you want to showcase, and that is that's tough for me even today when I was working starting out even tougher was to you know I admire people who work out loud who showcase their works in progress who uh, build a portfolio and in the process they sort of you know share that on social media that is such a huge thing to not just be proud of your end product and show your end product but also share the process and the progress and there's so many people in this with you so many people get to learn from that one another thing that I feel um, I needed a little bit of growing up and maturing to uh, to understand that I would love to share is this concept of borrowing brilliance. That concept of not being and it's not copy and paste, but it's looking at other people's work, understanding them, and then building on that, learning from that. We are lucky to be in a field where people share. They share their process, they share their code, they share their final product. People are doing amazing work out there. And unfortunately, many of it is still behind a firewall of different types, but there's sufficiently out there, which is out in open, whether it's demos of people or companies or whatnot. You, you learn from that. You become a sponge and then, then you build on it. So this concept of nobody becomes immediately brilliant. We borrow brilliance and then we build on that. And so we are standing on, on each other's shoulders in that way. I think that is really important. And if, if people are, you know, whether you're new or old to the, or we, even if you're a veteran to the field, you are looking at what everybody else is doing. You're reading people's work. You're understanding it. You're sort of bringing it into your world and seeing how does that apply. I think that is so crucial. 
That's awesome. And I'm curious your ideas. I, I've also found a lot of folks who are new to the industry think L&D is just um, design. It's just instructional design, like creating resources. It's bigger than that, though. And what kind of message would you share with those folks? Because like one of my passions of L&D is working a lot in project management because you get to hear everything that's going on. And I love that. Um, so what would you say to someone who's new to the industry? Um, how do you find out what's out there and how do you continue to grow into like new parts of the industry? You know, um, I love this quote and I'm going to hundred percent going to get it wrong, but regardless, <laughs> if you judge a fish by the ability of how, how well it flies, it's going to fail. You need to know what your own strengths are. And instead of then, you know, working on, oh, this is my weakness and I'm going to work on that. You work on your strengths. You build, for, you work for your strengths. We are, we live in an era where we can, to some extent, and for some people, choose the field, right? And L&D has, as you correctly said, Abby, just, there are so many inroads in it. You could, you could work in tech, you could work in, um, project management, you could work in design, you could work in strategy. Uh, and the way you figure out what all is there is by talking to different people. So I I love opportunities like this, you know, when you're putting podcasts out there with different people and you can actually hear what people do. You can, for me, the best portion of my day is running the firm. Right. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that end to end operations and sales and marketing and just like that, that mixture of everything. Uh, the many of our clients come back to us for the excellent project management we do. And that's funny. That's the most important piece for them because they're like, you guys are headache free. We don't have to worry about anything once we give a project to you. So that is a big piece of of work that, you know, that is part of L&D. So the more you listen to podcasts like these, the more you find out what other people do, you can find your way to what is best for you. Talk a little bit about, you You were at one point in time um, a contractor, and I know that there are a lot of folks out there who do contract work, right? Um, of course, uh, and a lot of people right now are in that space of, wow, oh, man, I, I, I think it's time. I think it's time for us to do our own thing, right? Um, what advice would you give to those people who are uh, thinking about taking a similar journey that, that you would, which is, yeah, I've been in the corporate world and now I kind of want to do my own thing. Um, I don't really know where to go and I don't really know how to get started. And quite frankly, that it's a little scary thinking about. What, what would you say to them? Oh, um, if you would indulge me, I would start with our origin story just for a minute or so. Um, because I used to work in corporate training uh, in a few jobs, one after another. And then I started feeling exactly as you said, Scott, like, yeah, I want to do my own thing. I want to have a wider experience. I want to work with different style guides, at least. So, <laughs> so at that point of time, when I decided to start, it was such a scary time. Even when I looked back and it's like, how did I do that? I had no relationships. I knew nobody. All I had was one laptop, right? And because there was so much risk inherently associated with leaving a full-time paid job and then jumping into something where, you know, you don't know whether, one, how do you get your first project? And then how do you get your second project? 
right? Um, I took a two-pronged approach. I started my master's in instructional design at the same time because I I was a software engineer, so I didn't have a formal training in the field. I was going to get a company started in, so I decided to do my master's. And at the same time, start a company. It was like, well, one of this will work out. And luckily for me, both of them did work out. Our first course itself won the International E-Learning Association's Gold Award for Best Blended Program for an academic institute. And then we just sort of moved on from word of mouth. But for people who are, and it is the gig economy, it is, there are opportunities, so many different platforms where you can start freelance or start as a contractor. Uh, It's easy to do now. But before you do that, make sure, I think, financially that you are okay with the risks that are associated, that you are okay with going X amount of time without a contract when you are in between contracts. So don't go in with rose-colored glasses. It is tough out there because, you know, you are selling yourself every time. And because you're selling yourself every time, good work ethic becomes absolutely, it becomes non-negotiable, right? You've got to respond to emails on time. You become a business. You cannot, uh, that is that is just essential. So you need good work ethic. Make sure you assess yourself for that. If if you have that, then only go into the business because there is no substitute for that. And once you have that and you've understood what your core strengths are, for example, I figured out I would tank if I was to go into in-person training, if I was to run sessions. I knew that wasn't my strong suit, but I knew when, you know, e-learning, oh, I can crush it, right? So I decided that my company will focus only on digital learning. We will not run any workshops. We will not do any classes, but we will enable people. We we would do blended. We would design your PowerPoint and your speaker's note, but we're not going to present it. And so that was still pretty wide, but that was my niche is, yeah, I'm only going to do Elon. So once you figure that out, you know that you are financially okay with the risk associated and you have strong work ethic, go for it, my friend. I'm so glad you said that you were okay with saying, I'm not going to do a thing I'm bad at. Um, I I think people feel like they have to be able to do whatever's asked of them. And it's not realistic. (laughs) If that's not what you're good at, don't do bad work. (laughs) Oh my God, don't do bad work. No, (laughs) Uh, because, you know, there is a real... um, Halo bias and the uh, right, just the opposite of it is if you do one work that's not good, people will assume you're not good at anything. Vice versa, if you do one good thing, people will say, oh, you've made this amazing award-winning e-learning. Can you also do something completely opposite for us? Like, (laughs) ah, nah, thank you. (laughs) Can I piggyback on the e-learning idea? And I'm so Glad that you've shared your story. I think that's great. And there are a lot of organizations out there that build e-learnings. I've built plenty of e-learnings, right? So, you know, aside from that care aspect that we started the show off with, what are some things globally that if I come to you and I have a project and I want to do X, Y, and Z, what are some pieces to your success that are going to go into each and every project. Could you talk a little bit about that without giving away everything? Like, I don't want to have you give away all your intellectual capital, but I I would certainly love to, to know, like, these things are really important. And these are the things that I constantly 
talk to my team about when it comes to instructional design, especially in e-learning? I don't mind giving anything away um, because it's it's not really concept so much as it is um, execution of the concept, right? Um, as I said, care as the backdrop of everything you do, essential. Um, understanding the scope of what is what does success mean at the end of this project? What does what do you actually what are you actually working for? And it sounds very basic, very fundamental, but I mean, I tell you from experience, it's not always very clear, right? So, so having that sort of clarified ahead ahead of time is important. Is okay? What what are we together working towards? Um, and it's more than hmm, can we build a twenty minute e learning on our code of conduct, right? It's more than that. It is okay why, what, what does this result in? How are we measuring that? All of that stuff up front. Um, from an, and this is, um, yeah, I, I have no other way of saying this. Finding the best people you can to work on the project, right? Getting that alignment right is, you know, some people are good at something. Some people are good at technical training. Some people are good at, interpersonal training and and there is a natural sort of um, inclination towards one or another and some people are good at everything but finding finding the right team to work on the right project is is essential um and i'm i'm speaking from my perspective it might not be applicable to everybody but in general making sure the teams uh work very well together is important so having that sort of cultural piece, right? You, Everybody might be right and good in their own ways, but they might not work well together. So making sure that culturally you're finding and building some a team that, that gels and cohesive is important. Um, I feel like I'm veering away from your question, Scott, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and then of course, QA, right? Error-free, flawless courses are e-learning deals with a lot of bad rep. So uh, there is that additional uh, responsibility on us where, you know, we are through our work trying to change that narrative that, you know, oh, my God, I got to take this another e-learning course that my company has mandated. You're, you're trying to get away, you know, take people away from that. You want people to say, oh, interesting. This was fun. Let me try this one more time. Whether that is via gamification or via, you know, scenarios that you've built or branching or whatever that might be. But, of course, bringing then, you know, those best practices, those skill sets to your work. I guess a mixture of all of that. I don't know. <laughs> I think it ties right back to your philosophy of care. I think um, the perception around e-learnings will improve when people feel like that the learning added something to their day, to their life, to their work. Um, and that really only happens if, if your focus is on that end user and what they need it for. Yep. So I'll, I'll jump in real quick here just to kind of switch gears if you could give anybody entering into this field, like 
any advice, what would that be? First stepping in, I would say, don't be in a rush to define yourself too, too narrowly. Look around at what else is there. Play around with things, play around with tools and, you know, try and find opportunities to do different things so that you, you can, in a few years, figure out where you really rock. And once you have that identified, then keep working at it, keep growing. And um, our field uh, is interesting because there is a mixture of age-old principles that don't change. Because people are people. People learn the way people learn. So there is that learning science cognitive piece of how people learn that is, that's the bedrock of our work, right? And you need to understand that. And there, you should spend some time understanding how adults learn, how that, that thing works, right? How, uh, what is the forgetting curve? What, what uh, kind of interventions work? What are the different theories of uh, learning? So that, that's, that's the foundational piece. But from a tech thing perspective, things are changing all the time. There are new tools coming. And while L&D, uh, uh, things change comparatively slowly, there are so much, there's so much happening out in the world that you would want to keep a finger on. What are the other tools in the, in the web industry, right? Um, in what's happening in marketing, for example, all these things sort of connect what's happening in ARVR space. Not everything, uh, and that's why I started with figure out what your niche is and depending on whatever you've figured out, right? There are different project management tools coming out for AB. So uh, keeping an eye out on the world outside of L&D is I think important as well because we can sometimes become very, very uh, narrowly focused on just our I think that's that's a trap. I saw a post this week um, on one of the social channels I follow about L&D and um, someone said, I'm new to L&D. Where do I start? And I was like, ask like 10 more questions. That's where I would start. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> – so it's – I would love to give it advice, but where do I start? <laughs> right. Well, the beautiful part about all of that, Abby, is that there is so much. We talked earlier a little bit about how do we grow. And I've got a new employee who's brand new into L&D, right? And part of the things that we're talking about, like, hey, once a week, you're going to take a webinar. Well, where do I find a webinar? Well, holy, they're everywhere. Do you know? They're, they're everywhere. All you got to do is sign up for one of these learning and development it digital magazines you're going to get invited to a hundred of them uh every um every week and you just gotta stay on top of your game so i mean the information's out there and i love what you had to say garima about um and this is so true like i'll share everything right and i have no problem sharing with you my success because i want you to be successful mm -hmm. um we case everything copy and steal everything we just like oh that's a great idea let's go ahead and we'll, we'll do all that so I, I really um I really love that attitude, and I think that's great. Um, one of the things you said that I thought was interesting, like, well, people learn the way that people learn, and I, I agree with that. However, I feel like in today's environment, one of the challenges that I, I know I have is this, um, we have a real time constraint, not just from a bandwidth perspective, 
but the internet has kind of ruined our brains a little bit, right? Because we have, you know, information that's right there all the time. Uh And so we don't take that time to really dive into get deep learning. And um, so that kind of changes our approach a little bit. Could you talk, what are some tips and tricks that, or even some things that you might see as far as, especially in, you know, e-learning, right? And we talk about the 20 minute e-learning, going to raise my hand. I'm sure your 20 minute e-learnings are awesome. I find that 20 minutes challenging. So, you know, what are some of those challenges that your team faces in today's world of, of technology and learning? And what are some things that you've kind of done to overcome that? Totally. The currency of today is attention, right? Where are you putting your attention? Because it's no longer knowledge. It's no longer information. There's plenty out there. In fact, somebody might even question then why create an e-learning course? There is often whatever you you have in that e-learning course is available out there, you know, a, a Google search away. Everything is a Google search away. Sometimes you feel like, however, there is an abundance of that, right? So, so for instructional designers, for e-learning creators, for people who are building a workshop or a seminar or a webinar, um, the, the trick is then to understand from all the content that is possibly available, what is of value, right? And then what experience can you put that in? So it immediately becomes relevant and it becomes something that I can apply to my problems because ultimately we are problem solvers, right? And whether we are solving the problem of a corporation and an organization or of your individual learner, you are solving a problem. I do not know how to do this. I need to do this in my job. Therefore, I need this learning. I have this problem as an organization. People are not doing this. I need people to learn about X, Y, Z. Therefore, we need this e-learning. So at the back end of everything you're creating, there is a problem that we are solving. So how does your content turn into an experience that will solve that problem? Right? Now, that experience, and you're totally right, is why people learn the way they learn. Um, The environment has changed so much that you need to sort of keep pace with it. So if other uh, social media companies can use dopamine, so can we, right? We can also figure out how how to build that in our training. It's not rocket science. Is oh, yeah, you know, we put this challenge, we put this... um, totally useless um, reward that triggers the brain to want to do this more. So we just came out with a a library of customizable off-the-shelf type of courses called Ready Plus Courses, which takes some of very common topics. And then uh, there is this 20-minute course. And 20-minute course have, again, mean, you know, They are not micro learnings. They are not short videos, but then there are topics that need that that length to really go into. Not not every topic is well served by a five-minute training. So what is your topic? What will actually serve it? Can you, sometimes clients will come, come to me and say, okay, how long should this be? It's like as long as it needs to be. 
right? That is the right answer is that there is no magic four and a half minute length for, for a video. It could be 30 seconds long and do it jobs and it can be it do it job and it could be longer. It's as long as it needs to be, right? So if I only have five minutes, well, you know what? We're going to need to chunk this out or we're going to need to dive into what's really important. And all too often, I feel like, you know, these people I serve, like, what's important? Well, everything. Everything's important, right? So, but we know that that's not true, right? Everything is not important. So yeah. you only have five minutes. What are the two things? Like two things, I'd say three, but two things. What, what do we really want to accomplish? So I think that that's awesome. Yeah. There is, if I can just add one more thing, as you said, because that is uh, for just people in e-learning, you have such a beautiful tool at your disposal where, you know, you could have people branch and have adaptive content. People can have different experiences through the same e-learning module. So if they have five minutes, they can do this um, condensed version. If they, if they have time, they can take more scenarios and more case studies. If they, if they want to, they can practice this. But if they don't, then they can jump off and just give the quiz. There are within one e-learning, you could have various experiences built. And if you have the flexibility to do it, then why not do that for your learner? Fantastic. Hey, we're getting to that point in time where we're going to start to wind things down, but I would love to open it up to either Dan or Abby. Do you have any questions for Garima? I just wanted to say um, we connected through um, Jacqueline Hutchinson, a mutual friend, and um, it's a great example of if you want to meet new people, if you want to learn more, um, be willing to reach out and connect. Uh, people are incredibly generous, but also please make sure you're giving back. So thank you. No, I just want to say thanks. This was a fantastic conversation. Uh, talking about care and actually like caring about your audience and your stakeholders and the people who are like asking for the material. Uh, I, I've said it before and I 100% agree. This is a, a passion-based industry and care is that component that like if you're not careful, kind of gets like washed out and you're left with just making a training. And if you find yourself in that yeah. spot where you're just making a training, like you're doing it wrong. Like you have to care. You're, you sh you're making things for people. So I love that. I'm so glad you brought that up. I was saying, yes, if, if you find yourself in a spot, Daniel, you said it just right. If you're just making a training, then see why, why do you feel like that? Maybe you're in the wrong spot. Maybe you're with the wrong people. Maybe you're doing the wrong part of L&D and fix it. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Good, good stuff. Rima, Gupta, could you uh, do us a solid and let our audience know how they can connect with you? Absolutely. Best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. Find me. It's not a very common name. You should be able to find me. My company's Artha Learning. So, you know, um, there are write to me at garima at arthalearning.com. Artha, A-R-T-H-A. It's actually a Sanskrit word for meaning because we believe in making meaningful um, training. So there is that website arthalearning.com i hope to see you somewhere on one of those channels fantastic really great conversation today really great inspirational stuff to you know our audience we really appreciate it danielson yes scott could you do me a solid and let our audience know how they can connect with us absolutely all right party people if you haven't already, email us at nerds at thelearningnerds.com. Join in on the conversation. Ask us questions. Tell us 
what makes you care about learning and development. If you're on Facebook, you can find us at Learning Nerds. And lastly, for all of our Instagram peeps, you can find us at Fab Learning Nerds. And if you haven't already, check out our website, www.thelearningnerds.com. Scott. Thanks, Dan. Hey, everybody, do me a favor. If you could go ahead and hit that subscribe button and uh, share this podcast out to your friends. We'd really, really appreciate it. Leave us a review if you're on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. We'd certainly love to hear from you. And with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. I'm Scott. I'm Dan. I'm Abby. And I'm Gaima. And we're your fabulous learning nerds, and we are out. Thanks for listening to the Fabulous Learning Nerds. You know, there are a lot of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment of offerings. If you're, if you're thinking of giving it a try, if you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.